Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show with your hosts, Jesse McCullough and Nick Dorch. We will talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equip platform, and maybe de-stress and divert from the pharmacy conversation with occasional talk about nerdy passions and hobbies. Without further ado, here's Jesse and Nick. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse McCullen. With us today, we have Nick Dorch. Nick, how are you doing today, my friend? Thanks, Jesse. I'm uh, happy to be here. This is episode number one for our series, and I'm very excited. While it's episode number one, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it won't be the first and only episode of the podcast series. Well, based on the agenda that we have today, I don't think that that's even going to be possible. But uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to look to bring you some uh, content on the world of pharmacy measurement and performance measures. Uh, Over the series of this podcast, uh, we may have some other topics that come in that are a little more timely uh, from time to time. But uh, today we thought it would be uh, an interesting conversation. And uh, Nick is an interesting guy because he has a certain reputation here at Pharmacy Quality Solutions. He is the employee that has been here the longest. And so you are, Nick, you are a wealth of information, uh, just given your background, but also just your time with the company. And uh, a lot of times people just, uh, they, they don't really know who PQS is. So if, if somebody was to ask you that question, you know, what, what is PQS? Who is PQS? Where does that take you to, my friend? Yeah, great question, Jesse. And and for me, PQS, we have a very clear vision on what we are, who we are, and and how we're operating. And that specifically is that we're we're operating under the idea that a patient-centered healthcare marketplace, uh, where where data that enables pay, payers and practitioners to continuously improve quality of care. Now, yes, that is the, the vision for the future of PQS or our vision statement, uh, but, it, but it's something that has really been the driving force from the beginning of the company and from even before the company actually existed itself uh, or even before Equip itself existed as a true product and going back to when Equip was just an idea that some uh, pretty smart folks uh, had as a way to help improve uh, better medication use for patients. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's a tremendous thing when you look at it. And I, I think the story of PQS actually probably dates back to about 2006 uh, with the advent of the Medicare, the, the implementation of the Medicare Modernization Act of 2003 when Medicare Part D came into play. I think that set the table um, to, to allow an organization like uh, PQS to come into play and, and the platform for Equip uh, to have a lot of value in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a it's been a long road uh, coming to this point, and it certainly has had a lot of developments. It's been a topic where we see and we hear every day talking about quality improvement when we talk to pharmacists that this is something that it's still relatively new to them. And people always ask us, well, what about physicians? What about hospitals and health systems? Are they worried about quality? And the, the short answer is that yes, that's been quality has been a big focus in healthcare for a long time it's relatively new and I would say it's still in the infant infancy in terms of it being developed and it being uh, really effectively measured for the purposes of pharmacy and for the pur- purposes of quality of medication use. 
yeah, I think that's something that is very easily um, overlooked or mislooked or whatever the right verb is uh, for that. Um, everybody wants to have better health care, right? And the only way that we can improve that is if we measure things. And uh, I will tell you, and I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, Nick. I won't admit to how, how much older I am uh, than, than you are, my friend. But at one point, I remember hearing uh, about this measure with beta blockers being uh, written for after a myocardial infarction, right? At one point, that was not standard. Uh, and that was a measure that was put into place in the marketplace. And uh, it took a number of years for that to, uh, uh, for that measure to take hold and uh, really become much more uniform uh, across all of healthcare. And I think that's where we see a lot of these measures uh, coming into play as well. So, um, if I may, uh, if you'll indulge me here just for a little bit, um, you know, I think one of the early parts of how we actually have PQS today is through something called the Pennsylvania Project. And uh, uh, if we can find a way to link to that, I think it would be a tremendous way to uh, just to show some of the early work that was done. Um, I had the good fortune of being able to participate in the Pennsylvania Project. And when we sat down and were first uh, talking about, well, how do we do any of this? Um, at the time, one of the one of the popular subjects was the Asheville Project. Now, Nick, uh, you, you you probably remember the Asheville Project. I've read it a number of times, more than I can recall at this point. Yeah, and the the, the thing that got us uh, at that time was that if the Asheville Project was so wonderful, and I think it was really good work that was done there, what prevented it from being more widely adopted? And uh, through a couple of conversations, something that came out of it was that, well, one of the things that, that stood in its way was there was a lack of a control group. It was basically saying, hey, if you just had a bunch of motivated patients and, and pharmacies, then yeah, of course good things can happen. Why, why wouldn't they? And with the Pennsylvania Project, we set out to, to, to try to solve for, for at least that particular piece of it. So uh, at the time I was working uh, in uh, for, for a retail chain. And uh, what we did is we took about 250 stores and we had half of them that we put into a control group and the other half that we put into a test group. And um, we trained the pharmacists on these different performance measures. And it was, it was interesting because uh, at the time, if you use the term quality, the idea was, um, well, we have a quality assurance station. We do, we do quality real well. Uh, and we had to do a lot of education just on those those measures. But then we said, okay, can you do something about it? And uh, over the course of the next several months, those pharmacists went to work and uh, we were able to show that, yeah, pharmacists, uh, when you give them some performance scores and you, you help them understand what's going on, they can do something about it. And I think that's what really got the ball rolling that these uh, different performance measures that were at least available at the time, uh, we're going to have some uh, have some value in the marketplace because if we can get uh, the the activity and action of pharmacists behind them, we can definitely improve them. Yeah, and I think Jesse and you can per perhaps provide some context because I remember in I think it was maybe October 2011 myself uh, going up to Pittsburgh. Um, at that point, it was uh, during my my residency. Uh, but going up to hear about the Pennsylvania project and the research, some of the research that came out of that. And one of the key components wasn't just that pharmacy could improve uh, quality measure scores, that pharmacists could improve quality measure scores, 
but that specifically with the right tools and information in hand, that they can go about addressing the right patients with the right, uh, right approach to healthcare to help a, a health plan improve their Medicare Part D scores and, and really show a benefit uh, of a pharmacy and a health plan coming together for ultimately what is the mutual benefit of the patients that they're both serving. And this to me was one of those key, key areas where that really showed a lot of benefit, a lot of promise. There's often a lot of pharmacy studies or pieces of information that would just look at the pharmacy's own data. And this was one, to me, this was one of the first instances where it was really showing and the health plan in their hands and their data, they had evidence going to show that it had a real benefit uh, to ultimately what they, what they see and what they can measure as well. Yeah, that was definitely a part of it. Whenever you look at that, and you, you have to keep in mind when, when we did that study, um, we were taking data from one health plan. And, you know, to our listeners out there, um, if you have a pharmacy that only supports one health plan, I would be surprised. You know, so uh, you probably serve many, many different health plans when it comes when it comes down to it. And uh, that was something that we tried to uh, uh, to very much help the pharmacists get to the point where they could identify uh, those patients who most needed their help. Um, otherwise, it becomes boiling the ocean, right? It, 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 it becomes this scenario where you have literally hundreds of patients that come to your counter over the course of, uh, of the day or the week or whatever the period of time is. They all don't need the same level of intervention. And we had to get to the point where how do we help them identify who those patients are that need that intervention? And then once they do, what do they do about it? And uh, those pharmacies that uh, that participated and were identifying and then engaging those patients, they were. They were able to, to help turn that into a scenario where those patients got their prescriptions filled more often. And when that happens, that, that leads to the, the, the cascade effect of saving overall healthcare dollars, right? We're, we're spending money on medications as opposed to the emergency rooms. And I think that was really a, uh, a, a, a neat thing. And, uh, you know, I think that's where, you know, sort of the feasibility of all these things that we did started. And uh, from there, it sort of spun, uh, spun off and uh, became a, a, a separate company. Uh, and then all sorts of payers and pharmacies came along to really start to fill out the roster. Yeah, it really was. So if we're going through the, the history lesson, um, that, that Pennsylvania uh, project, and something I'd point out about it as well, we didn't specifically uh, touch on this, this aspect of it, but that was published in Health Affairs in their August 2014 issue. Um, now, for, for a lot of folks, Health Affairs may not necessarily ring a bell, but that is kind of the go-to healthcare policy uh, journal, journal of choice, uh, especially in a lot of the big academic, but also as it relates to healthcare policy. If you're going to be uh, talking policy in healthcare, that's kind of the go-to journal. So that's, that, to me, is a very big deal that there was pharmacy engagement and especially that there was benefits shown from engagement with pharmacists as it related to patient care with that journal. But point being that did have enough, uh, that did have enough feet to get, keep that moving and spin it off into its own company. And uh, that is really where PQS pharmacy quality solutions came as, as an organization. So the, the group was kind of officially founded in, in 2013 but really started expanding in the 2014 calendar year. Uh, and then since then, that point, it's been more, more payers, 
more pharmacy groups that have been utilizing that performance information, expanding the measure sets. It was pretty simple and easy. And I think going back to that, uh, the Pennsylvania project was really just tracking three adherence measures. That's uh, really small potatoes compared to what we do now, but you have to start somewhere. Uh, you have to start in a way that's easily consumable by the end user. And so it is really amazing for me to see where we've grown to now. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take a moment to correct you and defend the Pennsylvania project just for a moment here. We actually tracked five adherence measures, but uh, only three of them still exist in the marketplace today. Uh, we, <laughs> Good we, clarification. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We uh, we 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 tracked uh, adherence for uh, calcium channel blockers and beta blockers as well, and uh, those are those are measures that uh, are not really used in the marketplace right now. Uh, but I think uh, there, there there was really some benefit to just choosing those. PDC measures because at the time, uh, you know, one of our parent companies, the Pharmacy Quality Alliance, they they had a number of different measures out there, and we could have chosen any of them to really look at. As it turned out, we did pick the uh, proportion of days covered measures, and as time went on, those became adopted into Medicare Stars, and I think that also helped uh, to get a lot of attention. And I think that also probably brought a lot of attention from the payers whenever they said, "Hey." we're going to need some help with this. What can we do? Here's this documentation that says, Hey, some pharmacists can, 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 can have an impact on this. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'll expand on that, that part of it, Jesse, as more and more payers start to use the platform, because that really became a somewhat of a rallying rallying cry around why groups should use equip. Um, when we talked before about quality, quality performance and quality improvement in healthcare, those not being new topics, one of the biggest issues that's always been seen by other healthcare providers, by hospitals and health systems, is that they have many, many measures that are hundreds of measures that can be difficult to track, that can essentially be meaning the same thing, but that they're getting all of these different report cards to use. So that's always been seen as a barrier to true quality improvement. Well, you know, novel idea, what if we had some standardization, some transparency, and a neutral third party that was um, doing this type of performance assessment. And that was part of the idea um, that was really coming from the pharmacy side of it. Uh, the pharmacy engagement to say, we need to have somebody here that again is sticking to that neutrality, standardization, transparency with the reporting. And that's part of where PQS and Equip came in being one source. So rather than pharmacies have to, having to track down uh, dozens of different report cards with even more measures, they can go to one place, everything there is pretty consistent with how the measures are done and evaluated and, and what they need to be addressing. Now, from payer to payer, a pharmacy's perform, and, and especially based on a pharmacy, pharmacy's performance, they may see different opportunities on what they focus on and how they use that information. But having one source does really streamline the process and it allows the pharmacists and their teams to engage on patient care, be focusing on what pharmacists can do best, and that is improving the health of the patients that they serve. Yeah, absolutely. When, whenever you have that standardization uh, and that, I would, I, would, I would even say normalization of the measures in the marketplace, what it does is it, it allows the pharmacies to have standard operating procedures that can address those particular measures. And, you know, just to piggyback and pick up a little bit on the comment that you made here, my friend, um, you know, prior to this and in, in other parts of healthcare, you could have a number of different measures that were very, very similar. You know, well, plan, health plan A is tracking A1C, but you're, you're considered uh, to meet the measure if the A1C is less than seven. 
you know, plan B, it's, you know, you can, you're considered to meet the measure if the A1C is less than six and a half. Um, they could have completely different age groups that they're looking at. You, you know, it, it, it really just uh, created a lot of complexity and confusion. And I mean, just if, if, if you would put yourself in a, in a physician's shoes and just think about how you'd have to make decisions on that. Oh, wait, for this one, I need to be thinking of, you know, A, B, C, and D. Uh, and, you know, with what we have here, you have uh, really a much better start to this, um, you, you know, for, for pharmacies that are getting involved in, in, in doing this. It really, it comes down to classes of medications as we look at, as, as we look at adherence. Yeah, we've seen a good, good level of engagement. So when we talk about pharmacies and who is engaged with PQS and, and with, uh, with Equip for the utilization, we work now with more than 60,000 pharmacies nationwide. So if you're doing math in your head or on a piece of paper, that essentially means that every major community pharmacy group is working with our organization. And really the areas where we don't see pharmacies engaging uh, with this level of performance measurement or these types of performance measurement is, is it really mostly comes down to groups that don't necessarily have the patient base for which these measures are, are currently being used. And by that, I mean, it's usually long-term care or hospitals where uh, in, in patient hospitals where they're not really managing patients from a standpoint of cholesterol PDC or diabetes PDC, but your true community pharmacies um, that are going to be seeing patients month to month and managing them on a consistent basis that are the local community pharmacy. Most of those groups we are working with and the engagement from pharmacies there has also been, been a big point of interest from those health plans and those groups that are uh, looking at managing the patients. So when we started off, it was uh, somewhat of a, uh, somewhat of a, of a little exercise in getting health plans and payers engaged around, well, what's the purpose and how does this benefit that's there for them? But again, having a clear source of information, good education really does help reduce the burden that's for each of those plans rather than them having to go out and talk with 60,000 pharmacies. So that's allowed uh, more and more groups to be interested in utilizing that communication vessel where we've gone, gone from having just a few health plans to 2015, it was 50% of Medicare lives that were measured and equipped here in uh, late 2019, we're at about 80% of Medicare lives that are now unequipped. And we're starting to see that expand to other lines of, of business now, Medicaid uh, and commercial or employer groups that are there. So that's really starts to round out the, the business. When we talk about pharmacy quality, um, it is more than just a Medicare population, right? And I think that's something that we're really excited about is the more data that's there, the more that we can show the benefit of pharmacists working with their patients. Yeah, that's an excellent point there. You, you know, it's, these are the measures that we look at, but the measures that we look at don't just matter when a patient becomes eligible for Medicare. Absolutely. Right. You, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick on, 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 on my old man, you, you know, he, he, he becomes eligible for Medicare and now we worry about whether or not he takes his blood pressure medicine, or now we worry whether or not he takes a statin. And the fact of the matter is, is we probably should be worried about that beforehand when he's 64, when he's 63. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think those are some exciting things because what that does is that provides standardization across the continuum of care, whether you have Medicare or Medicaid or commercial. Now you have a situation where, especially even from the, the, the consideration of your pharmacy workflow, 
you're focused on the same things and you're driving the same results. You're going to be having conversations with patients to make sure that uh, the medication that has been prescribed for them is appropriate for them, is working for them, and that they're going to be getting a benefit from it. And, you know, the, the, as, as those things line up, I, I, I see just tremendous impact that we have uh, across the healthcare industry um, from, from, some of those, from some of those elements. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And whether it's medications, that's always kind of a broad term as well. Areas where we've seen changes with Equip, right? It's been adherence measures. It's been other items related to patients and whether or not uh, the medications that they are taking are in line with clinical guidelines. We've seen other areas and, and this time of year, it's especially important as it relates to patients and are they getting the immunizations that are indicated for them? There's a lot more opportunities that are out there. There's a lot more recognition opportunities there for for pharmacists and and how they're they're being really an advocate for the patient, how they are being a true uh, care provider for the patient. And you know, one of the things I like to keep at the top of my mind, and it's great that we have these other measures coming in too, because those just become other places where pharmacists can demonstrate the value that they deliver, right? But to me adherence is one of those things where nobody loses right if if when, when, when you have an adherent patient that helps you right that keeps the patient coming into your store right when when you have an adherent patient then that actually helps the physician from their their perspective because they don't have patients that are going into emergency rooms and doing doing things like that and you also have a situation where it even helps the health plan right because you know the it, it, I think it's an obvious statement, but it, it's one that bears repeating probably more often than it is. But the most cost-effective way of treating a lot of these conditions is with medication. If there was a cheaper way to treat hypertension than, than with lisinopril, then we would be treating hypertension with something other than lisinopril, right? You know, so uh, I, I, I think those are really key things that we, 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 we keep in mind and we say, you know, from a pharmacy perspective, by improving adherence, I have a way to shore up my customer base and, 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 and really take better care of them and make them, them customers for the long haul. And, uh, you know, I'll just, uh, uh, from, from my time in pharmacy, that was not always the case. You, you know, at one point it was, you would open the doors up and hope people would come in. Uh, and you know, there'd be enough people that they would come in and there, there wasn't really the incentive, uh, or even the awareness to, to drive, hey, let's let, let, let's really make these patients uh, sticky and keep them adherent and really take good care of them in that regard. So, uh, you know, that's that has just been some of the, the things that I've observed across my career. Yeah, it's always taking a step. If you're not growing, if you're not adapting, you're being left behind. Um, and uh, even just in terms of thinking, thinking with that, this for us is episode number one. But Jesse, what do you think we're going to have what do you think we're going to do in terms of our next episode or our next couple episodes? How, how are we going to grow this, uh, this series here so that you know, our pharmacists listening can really uh, get a good understanding for quality? Well, I tell you, this is an area that I, I cannot encourage people enough to study, to, to, to learn and learn and learn. And this is something that, you know, the, the, if we go back to the Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania project, that was, I think that was well over 10 years ago that we started that and I'm still learning things today. Um, so, you know, I want to encourage people uh, to tune in and uh, we're going to be looking at all sorts of things. We're going to be looking at the measures. We're going to be talking about some of the different strategies around the measures. Um, something that we will never, ever, ever get enough of 
is questions from you, the listener. Um, we want to know what's on your mind. We want to be able to help address those things uh, that uh, that you have questions on. Uh, we want to be able to deliver value to you in that way. And uh, I think, you know, from, from time to time, Nick, we'll probably also look at just some of those things that are happening in the industry. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, some of the observations that we noticed with the data, um, I think it's one of the things that it was a major relevant revelation to me uh, was around just how the measures behave over time. Right. You, you know, I think that there's there's certain things that you need to not just assume, but dig into. And as you understand those things, I think that puts you in a much better position uh, to, to put strategies uh, and processes in, in, in place in, in place so that your store can uh, can deliver the most value to the customers and to the and, and for you to perform well against uh, the, the, the plans that you have. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to what we do and the conversations that we're having with pharmacy and with uh, or about pharmacy and with pharmacists. Um, and, and for me, it goes back to a lesson that I was taught when I was 12 years old in Little League. And that was my, my coach, Mr. Starr, telling us that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. I think internally at PQS, um, that's a phrase I'm kind of starting to say more and more. And it's an important point because uh, we do have to be learning. Uh, we have to be learning how we each individually get better. We need to learn how the systems that we're working within get better. And we need to be informing. We need to be talking more about our results, um, how we're doing it. Um, I am a pharmacist myself, and I, I, I love pharmacists. I obviously have plenty of friends. I have a family member as well that's a pharmacist. If there's one, pharmacists do a lot of great things. If there's one thing that pharmacists don't do well, it's talking about themselves and the success that they have really in terms of improving patient care. So I hope that during part of our series as well, that we're really going to be getting into that and, and hopefully helping pharmacists learn some good lessons about how they can speak. Um, not with the, not with the patients, they already do that well, but talking with other healthcare providers with payers and with others that can really show and therefore we can do a better job of showing the value of pharmacists. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, in spite of being a pharmacist for, better part of 20 years now, you know, people still still have a misconception of what it is that you do on a day in and day out basis, right? And, uh, and so I think there's tremendous opportunities. Well, I'm going to bring it in for a landing here, Nick, uh, if that's all right. So I want to thank you for taking your time to be with us today. I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. Number one, I want to encourage you to share this podcast with two friends. Because if you share it with two friends and they share it with two friends, that's going to help get the word out about our podcast. If you have questions that you want us to answer, please email us at info at pharmacyquality.com. Nick and I come together here so that we can share our perspectives and our insights on what's happening in the performance measurement space. And we want to help you become as effective as possible at how you care for your patients. So until next time, 